Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. I'm Samaria Riaz Jamal of AccidentalMuslims.com, Durban. AccidentalMuslims.com is a movement and a platform where we showcase current and future leaders to help us live with purpose. This podcast hopes to add value to your life, so listen up and enjoy. Today we're speaking to Malima Zakira and Sarmia. And she is a graduate of the Alima Fadila program at Madrasa Tussolihat in Port Elizabeth. She also has a diploma in childhood impediments of learning, as well as a diploma in foundation phase teaching and a certification in basic counseling. Currently, Malima is an educator at Riyadhul Uloom in Musgrave, Durban, as well as an educator at Madrasa Tussiddiq in Queensbridge, Durban. Walima also is the female programs coordinator at Radio Islam International as well as a volunteer at Sands F Durban providing one-on-one counseling sessions as well as coordinating tarbiya workshops for female bursary students as well as Islamic studies classes. Walima previously was a maktab educator under the supervision of Mulana Suleiman Mullah in Houghton Johannesburg as well as the head of the, of the department at Female Hiv School and Alima class teacher in Arizona, USA. Walima Zakira is also the founder at Az-Zakariyat, which is a short online courses for Muslimat on various branches of deen conducted in various states of USA. Walima, assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome to AccidentalMuslims.com. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh, Sumaya, and it's a pleasure being with you here today. So, jazakallah khair for the opportunity. So, Walima, you know, what made you choose the path, firstly, of, you know, Islamic education? So this may sound a bit cliche, but uh, my dad was an alim. And uh, so when my dad um, had initially, he would often tell us about his background and, you know, how difficult it was. He went to India to study and studied in Jalalabad. And, you know, his parents passed away. By the time he came back, he was like both my um, dada and daddy, his mom and dad had passed away. So when he got back, he always tells us about how when he started off teaching, it was difficult. Things were so, they weren't like they were, um, you know, now with us and, you know, the way things are so easy and accessible. So I think hearing all of this growing up, something made me kind of idealize what he did, you know, because I felt, wow, he was so amazing in that Despite whatever challenges he had, he could have chosen any path he wanted to, but he chose to serve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as deen. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that's what led me to, I'm going to be honest, initially when I started Madrasa, it wasn't what I wanted to do. Um, I was like the rebel at Madrasa. So I initially felt, no, this is not for me. I'm just going into this because, um, you know, I may need to. Uh, change and I may need to but anyway I'll start off here and see how it is <laughs> and um, not long after that I think when your calling is there for Dean Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put the seed of love in my heart for what I was doing and suddenly it all started blossoming and it all started seeming so real that I felt you know what wait hold on a minute I want this to become a way of life for me and alhamdulillah that's where it all started Subhanallah, you know, that's so beautiful, um, mashallah. So mention that you have been in the USA and you've taught there, alhamdulillah. So how is teaching there? Uh, is it different uh, compared to teaching here in South Africa? Is it more challenging? So uh, this is quite strange, right? Because um, when we left South Africa to teach in the US, um, I was someone else completely. And the reason I say this is because teaching in South Africa 
changes your perspective uh, compared if you compared to if you teach anywhere else in the world. Firstly, uh, without generalizing, teaching here in South Africa makes you a bit close-minded because you don't interact with such a diverse range of students from different ethnic backgrounds and you know um, from their different living styles as well. So uh, a lot of the students that perhaps were in my class on that last year before I went off to uh, teach in the US would tell you that I was a very tricky teacher and that you know it was either my way or you stood outside the classroom and those kind of things and really that's who I was I mean it took me a while to later realize that my goodness I've changed um, going to the US on the other hand the curriculum at school is so much different that when you are sitting in a classroom with them wanting to impart teeny knowledge to them a lot of what has happened in their schooling environment is brought out in that um, so you're sitting with a child there that's intellectually far more mature beyond their years so when you do want to, um, you know, instill some sort of discipline in them, you find that rebellion coming out because to them, what you're doing is trying to force something on them and they're uh. thought, you know, in their schooling system to be free thinkers, so to right, say. Right. So when I was there and I initially started, you know, in my normal way, if I could put it that way, <laughs> um, I realized, my goodness, I wasn't getting anywhere with these kids and being you know the so-called stranger in that environment because everyone else knows everyone else there you know whether it's the parents and the students and the other educators in the system and I was the head of this teaching uh, faculty so I had to now quickly readjust and you know ensure that uh, my game plan was something totally different and I became uh, a team member and that I wasn't seen as the outsider mm -hmm. so alhamdulillah when I left there I can with full honesty say that those children changed me. Those students made me a totally different educator. Alhamdulillah, obviously for the better. Definitely for the better. <laughs> you know, Ramadan is a very beautiful month and we know it and we love it and we cherish it. Um, and it's hard to really pinpoint something that is, you know, something about Ramadan that's favorite to you. But if you can, <laughs> what would, you know, your favorite part of Ramadan be? Um, so I'm going to say this and I don't know if uh, many are going to agree with me, but I just feel that in Ramadan, there's this atmosphere created that everyone wants to be seen as Muslim, right. if you're understanding what I'm mm. saying. So um, it's just yesterday I had this experience actually and this thought once again occurred to me. I was walking out of uh, out of the store and um, I generally have a habit, alhamdulillah, this is also something I picked up from my father that he would greet everyone, whether he knew them or whether he didn't know them, mm -hmm. but he'd greet, right? And um, so, as I happened to uh, cross paths with another sister, Niqabi sister, before I even, before the salam even left my lips, here she was greeting me. Now, this I'm not saying is something uncommon, but generally I don't find this. Mm -hmm. Generally, I, I, I don't really find that you know, it's such a common practice. In fact, I often get, and my husband um, laughs when I tell him this, I say, you know, I, I greeted the sister because it's it's a habit to greet. Mm -hmm. And then she looked at me and sometimes you'll even get people like saying, uh, uh, Maf, do I know you? Because, yeah. you know, <laughs> it's not a daily thing. Yes, yeah. it's yeah. not really something that we've made common practice. So that's what I mean when I say people are so much more eager to show their Muslimness 
if yeah. there's a word like yeah. that, you yeah. know, in the month of Ramadan. And that for me makes me happy. And that for me is the special part of Ramadan. So, Malima, which ayah of the Quran or hadith you feel that resonates with you the best? Um, I have been asked this question before and I think I'm going to ask like I am going to answer the way I answered once before when it was asked to me and this one ayah in, in the Quran particularly so many beautiful ayat right but this one that particularly stands out for me simply because I feel um, on a day to day we sin and as much as we try not to it just happens and we sin again. So when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to us, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim, La taqnatu min rahmatillah, Inna Allah yaghfiru dhunuba jami'a, Ila akhiril ayah. And that ayah basically means, Do not feel despondent in the mercy of Allah, Because indeed Allah forgives all of our sins. I think this just brings out that, You know, Iman is bain al-khawf wa raja Iman is between, between hope and fear. And we need to, um, even when calling people to the deen, you know, we need to ensure we do this. We need to ensure we, we allow them to understand that Islam is not all scary. It's not about Jahannam and doom, you know. There's also the happy side to Islam. There's also the Jannah and the paradise and the Bashara that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us. So definitely that, would, that ayah would stand out for me. So Mu'alima, you know, it's tough for us to, you know, to strike this balance between performing all the rituals, completing our khatam of the Qur'an, um, you know, trying to even get, you know, into the translation, the tafsir of the Qur'an, but also, you know, having this balance of then assisting the poor community and uh, interacting with different people, you know, like we mentioned about the reverts, maybe welcoming them. So, so how can we strike this balance? Because Ramadan is really about both parts of it, really. Smear, I think um, if we choose to do this, then we need to look at Islam holistically before we even look at Ramadan. And um, when we look at Ramadan, we see that there are, when we look at Islam rather, sorry, we see that there are two parts. There's the Mu'amalat and the Mu'asharat. Mu'amalat basically means our dealings and interaction with regards Ibadah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then we get Mu'asharat. Mu'asharat are our dealings with our fellow humankind. And it's so amazing, you know, that um, even though uh, Ramadan, the way we look at it primarily, and uh, I hope I'm not generalizing when I say this, but when we look, when we look at it primarily, we look at the mu'amalat aspect. So it's about praying my salah on time, and it's about fasting, and it's about ensuring that, um, you know, I get as much Quran khatams in and all of this. And I said something to the students the other day, and I know I saw some of the eyes popping out, because I think they were thinking like, why is Mu'alima saying this? I said, you know, even if you don't get a complete Quran khatam done in the month of Ramadan, but you've changed one aspect of your life and you've made that change in such a way that it's a change that's going to stay with you outside of Ramadan, then your Ramadan is made. So Sumaira, when we speak about how to strike the balance, this is how we're going to do it. We're going to do it with the, with the reminder that the Prophet ﷺ in a hadith explained to us that fasting is not only about eating and drinking. It's a fasting of the other parts of the body as well. So if we're going to be fasting and backbiting or fasting and looking down at someone else or fasting and, you know, treating someone badly, then really... How fast there's going to be no value in this so what we need to try and remind ourselves on a daily basis is that 
fasting is about both aspects the mu'amalat aspect and the mu'asharat and i think then it would become so easy for us to when we see that revert sister to call her in to give her a hug to make her sit at the dasarhan with us at iftar time to when we see that child in the masjid you know the child's making quite a bit of a racket during tarawih but we know that um and i read the saying and it was so beautiful it said that when you don't hear the sound of children in the back of the masjid then fear for the next generation how beautiful is that you know because that's just it as much as we want to say that children shouldn't be in the masjid and making a big noise yes yes all that is on its place but at the same time if we don't acquaint our children with the masjid they'll never know what praying salah is all about and the importance of the masjid so it also demands of us in the month of ramadan sometimes tempers can flare and all the rest <laughs> of it you know but it demands of us that we show that good akhlaq of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam absolutely Muarima, you've been through a lot of life adventures. You know, you've been to the U.S., you come from Port Elizabeth, you're staying in Durban. And I'm sure that throughout your life of teaching or even just experiencing life, there has been, you know, an inspiring story or experience. So perhaps if you could share with us um, one of them, inshallah. Sumaya, this really feels like you're putting me on the spot because um, I must be honest that there's so many, there's so many that I would love to share with you right now. Among them are ones that happen on a day-to-day basis so i don't have any children yet and often when you don't have kids people tend to look at you and think that um you don't really have it within you to empathize with a child right and um one of my students once surprised me and she said she, uh, it was mother's day and as much as you know in islam we don't do the whole mother's day because every day you're meant to treat your mother right but i was so taken aback when she popped me a message on mother's day and she was like malima you know and this is a, um, a student who's in matric this year so this was last year when she was in grade 11 and she sent me a message and she said malima you know today is mother's day and i just wanted to tell you that every day when i come to madrasa and you let me fuss and whine and you let me tell you all my bizarre stories that happened in the day and you listen to it and you listen so attentively i just wanted to say i appreciate that and so as much as you may not realize it you really play a big part in my life and so i want to say to the youth out there today and i'm going to i'm going to give you one more story but both are going to i'm going to tie up with the same lesson that don't think about anything you do in anybody else's life as being small so this happened when i went to umrah and i was like nine years old it was in ramadan and um so i was back then alhamdulillah the well of zamzam was still open and um the, the there was a, a elderly woman and she was trying you know really she was battling trying to get down the stairs those who saw the well of zamzam back then would understand all these marble stairs going down into like a basement kind of thing where mm-hmm. you could see the actual well and she was battling and me i was young and you know full of energy even though i fasted the whole day uh running up and down taking dates from here putting it there fetching glasses of zamzam for people and so she beckoned over to me and i went to her and she put her arm around my shoulder and we walked down these stairs together so basically she she needed assistance i didn't think of what i was doing as being something you know so great mm-hmm. but when we got to the bottom i left her there and before i left her and i turned around she held on to my hands maya and you know she was perhaps turkish or she was algerian but 
this is how she looked you know in her dressing but the duas that left her mouth were in her language but wallahi they touched my heart and that's the message i'd like to leave with the youth that don't think that anything you do for anyone is too menial and it's too insignificant because you never know that that beggar standing on the street corner that you just dropped a two rand in his hand you may just had it extra and it may have been changed from whatever you purchased he may give you such duas that the next time when you're driving and you just miss an accident by seconds it may be his dua that was the reason that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala saved you Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh Sumaya So jazakallah khair for the opportunity So that's it for today's show We hope you added value, we hope you enjoyed it But most of all, we hope our guests inspired you to live with purpose don't forget to send us your suggestions via info at accidentalmuslims.com If you know anybody out there that is inspiring, that's leading, that's living with purpose, please uh, do contact us. And remember, feedback is our oxygen. So follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. I hope you enjoyed. God bless. Assalamu alaikum.